a Bible, let me encourage you to hold it up right now and repeat after me what we believe about this book. Whether it's a printed copy, digital copy, it doesn't matter. Hold it up. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 12. Exodus, the second book of the Bible, it's easy to find. You turn to verse 20, and you're going to discover that that's where the Ten Commandments are found. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 is part of the Ten Commandments. If I could describe in one word what every child owes to their parents— it would be this word, honor. And if I could describe with one word what every parent longs to have from their children, it would be this word, honor. And if I could describe with one word what God expects every child to give to their parents, it would be that same one word, that word, honor. Now, as God gives us the Ten Commandments, the, the first four of those commandments deal with, with our relationship with God. God is telling us how we relate to Him. But then as He gives us those next six commandments, it deals with our relationship with people, with, with one another. And the very first of those six commands that deal with our relationship with one another, deals with a child's relationship with their parent. And so that tells you that this is extremely important. How we as children relate to our parents is very important. Now listen to what God's Word says in in Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long life, full life, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now notice, God is writing to children, for children, so that we will know how to treat our parents. And he simply says, honor them. So here's the principle. Honor your parents. Now what does that mean? Well, the dictionary defines honor as to regard or treat with admiration or respect, to give special recognition to. The Hebrew word means weighty or heavy. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you're to go home and and tell your mom that, that God's word says that she is heavy. If you do that, you may find yourself getting in trouble. But in the Old Testament, that word heavy or weighty meant important. So what God is saying is that great weight or honor is to be given to our parents. Our parents are to be treated with respect. They are to be held in high esteem because they are worthy of that. 
Now look at the promise. The command says that we will have a full and a long life. Now let me first of all say that that probably every one of us in this room know children who honored their parents, who loved their parents, who, who adored their parents, whose lives were cut short. And so this isn't saying that every single child who honors their parent is going to live to 80 or 90 or 100 years old. But I believe that what God is saying is that when we honor our parents, God blesses us. And one of the ways that God blesses us is as we honor our parents, we will find ourselves less likely to make foolish decisions and do foolish things. And oftentimes it's those foolish decisions and it's doing those foolish things that cause our life to be cut short. And God's saying when we honor our parents, we listen to them, we admire them, we respect, we respect them, then we're going to find that our life is longer. Now, why did God give us this command? I believe there are at least three reasons. The first reason is there are no perfect parents. You may say, my dad was a jerk. My mom was a nag. But it really doesn't matter. You see, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, even as parents. Parents are going to mess up. Parents are going to blow it. Parents are not going to be perfect all the time. And when parents do mess up, the Bible says that we're still to honor them. Now, before I had kids, I made this mental note of all the mistakes my parents had made. I'd made in my mind this, this list of things that I wasn't going to do that my parents did. That was before I had kids. Then I had four kids and I realized my parents did a pretty amazing job, especially in light of what they had to work with. And the same is true for many of you today. You may think your parents are unworthy of honor, but the Bible says you're to honor them anyway. The second reason I believe that we are to honor our parents is because respect for authority begins in the home. The Bible teaches us that God has ordained three positions of authority in the world. The home, the church, and the government. And the Bible teaches that the home is the first position of authority. And yet today, it seems that our society has, has lost respect for authority. But learning to, to follow authority is key to an orderly society. Learning to, to submit to authority begins in the household. The child that says nobody is going to tell me what to do is in for a rude awakening when they get into the real world because there are going to be a lot of people telling them what to do. But there is a third reason I believe that God gave this command, and that is because how we relate to our parents will affect every other relationship we have. You see, the family is the laboratory for life, and how I treat those at home will affect how I treat people throughout my life. Here's what I've discovered. 
those who honor their parents will most often make the best spouses. They will most often make the best parents. They will most often make the best employees. They will most often make the best leaders in society because they have learned at a basic level how to treat people with respect and dignity. If you find a person that that doesn't show respect in life, they most likely didn't show respect when they were in the home. Now, how do I honor my parents? Because, you see, the Bible doesn't say that I'm to honor my parents when I am this age or this age or this age. The Bible simply says, as a child, I'm to honor my parents. And what you need to understand is that you are always a child. There is someone who brought you into this world. And so whether you are a child who are living, is living at home, whether you are a child who is on your own, whether you are a child who is already a senior adult, you are still a child. And the Bible says that you are to honor your parents. And if your parents are no longer here, I believe the Bible would teach us that we are to honor the memory of our parents. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, as a child, I honor my parents by obeying and respecting them. As a child living at home, under the roof of my parents, my parents are paying the bills. I have a God-given responsibility to do what they say, to obey them. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And this is the right thing to do. The Apostle Paul repeated this in his letter to the Colossians. He said this. He said, children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Now, this is about as plain as it gets. We are to do what they say, when they say it, with the right spirit. That means that if I am living in my parents' home, my parents are paying for me to stay alive. I am to obey them willfully, pleasantly, and immediately. You are to do what they tell you to do. You're not to say, but mom, dad, you're not to argue. You're simply to do what they tell you to do. You're to do it when they tell you to do it. You're not to say in a minute. You're not to say, can I do it when the commercial comes on? You're not going to say, when I finish this, I'll do it. No, when your parents tell you to do something, you are to do it. And you're to do it with the right spirit. It's not just what you do. It's how you do it. Sometimes we act like that little boy who was on a trip with his parents and they were in their car driving and, and the father looked back in the back seat and saw his son standing up. He wasn't in the seatbelt. And he said, son, sit down and put your seatbelt on. And the little boy said, no, I'm looking at the animals. And the dad said, son, put your seatbelt on. And the little boy said, no, I'm looking at the animals. His mom turned around, grabbed him by the ear, set him down, and said, put your seatbelt on. Well, the little boy put his seatbelt on. 
crossed his arms, and then after a minute or two, he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> you see, sometimes we obey that way, don't we? We obey because we have to. But the Bible says we are to obey with the right spirit. And the crazy thing is, Jesus exemplified this. Jesus, God in the flesh, obeyed his parents. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, it says this. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus know better than his parents did? Absolutely. Jesus was the sinless son of God. He knew everything perfectly, completely. And yet, he submitted to his parents' authority. Why? Because that was the right thing to do. Now, that kind of obedience really, it's not in style today. But the Bible warned us that this would happen. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said that in the last days, those days right before Jesus returns, and he tells us these signs that are going to take place in the last days. And one of the things that Paul says is that children will become more disobedient to their parents. Kids, listen. Your parents are God's representatives for you here on this earth. They are sent by God to teach you. And the Bible says that it pleases God when you obey your parents. I heard about this lady, true story, that was doing a eulogy for her grandmother. And as she was doing this eulogy, she was remembering something that happened years earlier when she asked her granny about getting her ears pierced. She came to her grandmother and said, Granny, does the Bible say I, can, I can't get my ears pierced? And her granny said, why do you ask? And she said, well, because I want to get my ears pierced. And my dad told me I couldn't. And she said, yeah, the, the Bible tells you that you can't get your ears pierced. And she said, where? And she said, you go look in the Bible, you find it, and then you come back and you tell me. So the little girl went, started looking through her Bible, and she couldn't find anything that said, you can't get your ears pierced. So she came back to her granny and said, Grammy, I can't find it. Her granny said, it's in there. You go look again. And so she went and looked again, and she couldn't find it. She said, Granny, it's not in there. Her granny said, oh, yes, it is. And her granny said, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. And she did, and she said, read that verse. And she read it, and she said, children, obey your parents. And her granny said, the Bible forbids you from getting your ears pierced. Listen to me. Kids, your job is to obey your parents. It's not to argue with them. It's not to try to debate them on what the Bible says you can and you cannot do. Your job is to trust them and follow their leadership as long as you are in their home. But the Bible doesn't only say that we are to obey our parents. It says that we're to respect them. In Leviticus 19, it says, each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. Did you know that the Old Testament law said that if a person cursed their parents, they would be put to death? Now, and I never cursed my parents, 
But I'm thankful that I didn't live under the Old Testament law. Now, to hold in respect means to hold in high esteem. And that means that, that we are to respect our parents. And let me give you some practical ways to do that. It means that you say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. It means that you say, yes, sir, and no, sir, no matter what age you are. When I was with my mother this past week, my mother's 86. I'm 63. When my mom says something, I didn't go, yeah, or yes, or no. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, no, ma'am. I respected her. You don't call your parent by their first name. I never called my dad Don. Never called my mother Peggy. Why? Because it's disrespectful. And the Bible teaches us that we are to respect our elders, our, our adults in our life. And, and that's why when I'm speaking to senior adults today, and that's people who are older than me, I still respect them in the way I talk to them. Listen to this verse. In Proverbs 19, it says, Children who mistreat their father or chase away their mother are an embarrassment and a public disgrace. This is a serious thing. Children are to obey and respect their parents. Now, as I get older and I move out of the home, I'm still to honor my parents. And the way I honor my parents then is by accepting them and appreciating them. You see, as we get older, we, we begin to realize our parents' faults and our parents' weaknesses. Someone once said that up to age 10, our child thinks that we know everything. And at about age 16, we begin to be not sure that our parents know everything. At age 19, we think that we have surpassed what our parents know. At age 22, we feel like we've completely outgrown our parents. At age 30, we begin to realize our parents did know a few things. And by age 40, we think our parents were pretty much perfect again. And that's kind of how the cycle goes. But what does it mean to accept my parents? It doesn't mean pretending that they were perfect. It doesn't mean that I ignore their mistakes. Acceptance includes, first of all, realizing that God used them to give me life. You're here because of your parents. Your parents didn't have to give you life. Have you ever thought about that? In our country, a person can legally get an abortion. Your parents could, could have decided, I don't want you. I don't need you. You're, you're going to make life more difficult for me. But your parents didn't do that. Your parents chose you instead. And if you've been adopted, you've been twice blessed. Not only do you have parents that chose you, you have a mother and a father that chose life. And so you are twice blessed. Hey, why don't we right now just thank God for our parents that chose us rather than an abortion? Let's give them a hand right now. We accept our parents because they gave us life. Second, we accept our parents by listening to them. 
In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22, it says, listen to your father. Now, we come to a point in life where we think that our parents don't have anything else to teach us. But kids, speaking as a former kid who still is a kid to some degree, I'm here to tell you that your parents have a lot to teach you. There's a lot of wisdom tucked in their heads. There are years of experience that can save you a lot of grief and a lot of hurt if you will just listen to them. You will avoid some bumps and bruises in life if you will just follow what they say. Listen to your parents. They're not telling you things just to irritate you and aggravate you and ignore you. They're telling you things because they love you. And they're wanting to save you some grief and some heartache in life. And then the third way that you can accept your parents is by forgiving them. I've discovered that some of us hold on to hurt or, or perceived hurt that we blame on our parents. And, and if we hold on to that hurt or that perceived hurt for long, that hurt turns to bitterness. And folks, I'm here to tell you that bitterness is destructive. And bitterness always hurts the person that is holding on to it more than it hurts the person that it is directed toward. There are some of you here who have been mistreated. There are some of you here who may have had terrible things done to you. And there is no excuse for that whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you that if you want to experience the joy that God has for you, you have to forgive. And even if your parents have done things to you or against you, you must forgive them if you want the joy that only Jesus can bring. And when you do, it's then that you can begin to focus on what they did right. And you can begin to appreciate those things. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 11, it, it says this. It says, be grateful for the good things the Lord your God has given you and your family. Let me ask you, do you appreciate your parents? Do you appreciate their efforts? Have you ever thought about how difficult it is raising kids? Have you ever considered how hard it is to raise children? Sleepless Nights, dirty, nasty, stinky diapers, carpool lines, plans interrupted, all of these things because your parents chose you and love you. It's tough being a parent. Many children should feel like this child I I heard about who went to another adult and said, I'm concerned for my parents. And then he said, the reason I'm concerned is because my dad just worked so hard providing for me. And my mom, she's always picking up after me and she takes care of me when I don't feel good and I'm sick. And the adult the child was talking to said, well, what are you concerned about? And the child said, I'm concerned they're going to leave. And I think every parent needs to, or child needs to be concerned because, listen, our parents do things for us. But not only their efforts, we need to be thankful for their sacrifice. 
I read this past week, the Department of Agriculture estimate that it costs the average parent $300,000 to raise a child from birth to 18 years old. $300,000 from birth to 18 years old. That doesn't include college. That doesn't include expenses after a child is 18. And trust me, parents, after your child are 18, you're still spending money on them. I kind of can relate to that, that father who was getting a, a family portrait done, he and his wife and his children, and as they were getting ready for the portrait, he asked the photographer, he said, wait a minute, can, can you put my kid's hands in my pocket so that it will look natural? <laughs> Fathers, I've read, are, are people who, who have pictures of their kids in their wallet where their money used to be. No, it costs money to raise Kids, I heard one time that, that there are four stages of, of being a man. The first is you believe in Santa Claus, then you don't believe in Santa Claus, then you are Santa Claus, then you look like Santa Claus. <laughs> and that's kind of true. I mean, parents are always giving for their kids, so we appreciate them. But let's move on. As an adult... I honor my aging parents by affirming them and not abandoning them. You see, as our parents get older, a lot of their friends begin to, to die. And they're no longer with their friends that affirm them and, and they spent time with. And oftentimes we move away and we're no longer close to them. And we discover that our parents are not only alone, but they're they're lonely. My father passed away in, in 2020. And my mother moved shortly after to Tampa where my brother lives. And this past week, I went down to be with her. She was having a medical procedure done. And, and even though my mom is a social butterfly, and she lives among a lot of people and she has a lot of friends, I, I realized that my mom is lonely. With a lot of people around, She's lonely. How, how did I pick up on that? Well, because of the way she talked, the way she reminisced. And unfortunately, many times in life, we allow our older parents to be alone. And we see our older parents as a burden on us, rather a blessing to us. You see, what we need to recognize is that our older parents may be an opportunity from God to repay our parents for what they have done for us. My mother is an example of this kind of spirit to me. When my grandfather got Alzheimer's, she went over to their home almost daily to help take care of my grandfather. When my grandfather died, she was over there at my grandmother's house helping her until she couldn't live by herself. And then my mother and father moved my grandmother into their house to live with them. And when they couldn't take care of her anymore, they helped her get into a nursing home. And, and my mother was over at that nursing home pretty much every day with her. Now, my mother set the bar high. But my mother didn't abandon her mother or father. She was there 
for them. So how can we affirm our parents? Well, one, by staying in touch with them. Our parents need to know that we love them. So we call them. That's a simple thing today. It doesn't cost any money. We can write them cards. We can send them flowers. Can I tell you something? When your parents die, they're not going to enjoy those flowers at their funeral. If you want them to enjoy the flowers, give them to them now. So you stay in touch. Second, you make sure their needs are met. They did that for you. You should gladly do that for them. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 5. He said, but if any of you do not take care of your own relatives, especially the members of your own family, you have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. Did you get that? If we don't take care of our family, we've denied the faith. We're worse than an unbeliever. Earlier on in that chapter, Paul said this. He said, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn first to carry out their religious duties toward their own family. And in this way, repay their parents and grandparents because this is what pleases God. God says that children and grandchildren have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility to take care of their parents. You see, the way that we demonstrate our faith to the world is seen by the way we take care of our parents. When our parents become older, it's not the government's responsibility to care for them. It's our responsibility. This is the cycle of life. The roles are reversed. They bathed you, they fed you, they cared for you. And maybe later on in life, you're going to be given the privilege of doing the same thing for them. A popular magazine for senior adults reported this past year that 52% of all Americans over age 65 will need some type of long-term care. 62% or 52%. Now, the median cost of a private nursing home room in the USA today is around $100,000 a year. Now, I don't know about the circles that you run around in, but I don't know a lot of people that can afford that kind of care. And so what that means is when our parents get older, we've got to step in and help take care of them. You see, God has a plan for taking care of kids. It's called parents. And God has a plan for taking care of parents. It's called kids. You see, the cycle is reversed. But let me close with a word to parents. Children are to honor our parents, but we as parents need to be honorable. I was shocked when I learned that the percentage of American teenagers that wanted to be like their parents was only 39%. Did you get that? The percentage of teenagers in America that want to be like their parents is only 39%. Ten-year-olds were asked a question about what was wrong with parents today. I want you to listen to the honest answers of ten-year-olds. They said grown-ups make promises, then forget all about them. Or they say it wasn't really a promise. 
Grown-ups don't do the things they're always telling their children to do, like pick up their things or be neat or always tell the truth. Grown-ups never really listen to what children have to say. They've already decided ahead of time what they're going to answer. Grown-ups make mistakes, but they won't admit them. They always pretend they weren't mistakes or else somebody else made the mistakes. Grown-ups interrupt children all the time and think nothing of it. But if a child interrupts a grown-up, he gets a scolding or something worse. And finally, grown-ups are always talking about what they did and what they knew when they were 10 years old. But they never try to think what it's like to be 10 years old right now. Now that's a big one. Our world is turned upside down. Our world is in a mess. It's messed up. I got to tell you, being a 10-year-old, being a kid, it's harder today than ever before. And we as parents, grandparents, we need to listen to our kids so we can hear what they're going through and understand what they're experiencing. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, not a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with loving discipline. So how can I be an honorable parent? Let me give you four things and then we're going to close. First of all, I love my children. I don't love them when they measure up, when they excel, when they get an award. I just love them. Every child is different. Some children are A students. Some children are C students. Some children struggle throughout school. That's just not, it's just not who they are. But we love them. Some children are athletic. Some children are artistic. Some people are neither. We love them. We love them for who they are, and we love them for the gifts and the abilities and the way that God made them. Second, we limit our children. It's our job to set standards for our children and then stick with those standards. You see, love isn't always giving our children what they want. Love is giving our children what they need. And when we set standards and we set limits and our children go beyond that, it's our job to discipline them. Because, listen, in the real world, when, when children break the law, when children step over the line, there's going to be consequences to pay. And I want you to hear me. We live in a day and age where children are being led to believe by their parents that they do no wrong. We're living in a day and age where, where when children do wrong, parents make excuses for them. And that's a terrible thing to do. You're setting your children up for disaster when you do that. Third, lift up your children. Your children don't just need you to be their coach. They need you to be their cheerleader. And then finally, lead your children. Because if you don't lead your children, somebody that you don't want to will begin leading them. 
It's your job to lead your children, not the school system, not even the church. It's your job. And the greatest thing that you can lead your children to is Jesus. Lead your children to Jesus. There's no greater joy than being able to kneel down with your children as they, under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, give their heart and lives to Jesus. There's nothing greater. Lead your children to the cross of Jesus, and then parents, lead your children to the throne of Jesus. And if you do that, you're going to be an honorable parent. But here's what I know. To do that, you got to know Jesus. You can't lead your children to Jesus if you don't know him personally. It's not just a matter of knowing about him. It's a matter of knowing him. Having a relationship with him. When your children look at you, and your children watch you, do they see someone that is exemplifying that they know Jesus. Parent, if you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, that's the greatest thing that you can do for your child. Children, if you're in this room and and you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus, I'm here to tell you, if your parents love Jesus, the greatest thing that you can give to your parent is to give your heart to Jesus. Because that will change everything in your life. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here, parent, child, you're neither. Well, everybody's something, I guess. But if you're here and you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus, oh, listen, I believe with all my heart the reason you're here today is not to hear a message on how to be a good child. The reason you're here today is because God wants to save you. God wants you to be a part of his family. And I believe even right now in this room, God's drawing you to himself. There's something deep within you that's telling you that you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've joined a church in the past. Maybe you've been dunked in water in the past. Maybe you've been religious, but right now in your heart, you know, you just know something's missing. That's the Holy Spirit of God drawing you to him, saying, come to me and I will give you rest. So if you're here and you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus and today you're willing to humble yourself before him and do that, I want to encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I know I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've lived life my way. Forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead to set me free. Give me eternal life. And today I'm asking you to save me. Today I'm trusting you with my life. Take control. 
from this moment on, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. And with your head still bowed, your eyes still